Well, for some time now we've studied and pondered the question, is God good? And uh, been, to me, an interesting study. We could give a short answer, well, of course he is, but that's not really uh, an answer, I don't believe. But we gave uh, uh, reasons why one might question, is God good or not? And we looked at some of those. But we kind of started this morning with, with uh, maybe three questions. Of course, is God good? But then, is there an answer to that question? And we talked talk some about that. And then we said, is there other questions that should be asked and answered before we try to answer the question, is God good? And then the last thing that I mentioned was, might the answer be it depends on the perspective from which you view him? And there, I believe, lies uh, an answer to our question. Uh, is God good? Are we qualified to answer? And, and again, if we ask questions about certain things that happen, we look in, in the history of the Bible and certain things that happen, and, and it's hard to keep from judging, is that fair, is that not fair? And, and we gave examples of, uh, uh, well, a few examples, of course, there's many more in the scriptures, but... Uh, uh, Jacob and Esau, uh, and uh, many others we looked at, uh, uh, Pharaoh, that God caused him to harden his heart, but yet he still brought this upon him. And, and we looked at things that might be considered unjust. We might look at and we might uh, want to flee to a judgment. Yeah, that's not fair. But as I mentioned this morning as we close, there's something else if I was going to judge anything unfair, it would be this. Most, again, with human wisdom and knowledge, seems to be the most unfair thing that there could ever be. And I want to read that many places, but I want to read it in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if I was going to judge... And we looked at different things that people may, again, think, well, that's not fair that he loved uh, Jacob and hated Esau before they was ever born. That's not fair. And other things might not be fair. But here's something. If we want to judge that way, I would judge more unfair than anything. You say, well, what is it? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If we look at it with earthly wisdom, there's nothing more unfair than that, that Jesus Christ, who had no sin, but God made him sin. Compare that with Pharaoh or Jacob and Esau. This would be if we looked at it with human wisdom, the most unfair thing that there could be. Made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So, but is it unfair? Is that unfair? Is God unjust? How would God's, though it says he had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So those that have been made the righteousness of God in him, how do they view this? With thanksgiving. Would we say this is good? Yes, he's made me righteous, which is the only way of righteousness. There's no way that we could make ourselves righteous, no way that we could enter into eternal life. This is the only way that God made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin for you. And he paid the, he paid the price. We don't pay the price. Now, there are those that will be in the lake of fire that will pay the price, those that he didn't die for. But he, made, uh, he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, with human wisdom, that's much more unfair than Jacob and Esau, or Pharaoh, or many other things. This morning, as I uh, I'd left the podium, and, or the lectern, and came back to get my uh, Bible and things, and I had a little note up here, and... Uh, it certainly fits right in with, with what we're talking about. Fits right in, and I slipped it right in my notes. Didn't have to change anything else. But uh, we kept asking, well, who's qualified? And we see the answer to that, or uh, at least a portion of that, is, is Luke 18 and 19. Luke 18 and verse 19. And, of course, it's a good study. If you study these surrounding scriptures, we won't do that. But Luke 18 and 19 says... Uh, and Jesus said to him, Why callest thou me good? None is good except one, and that is God. So there's an answer to our question, is God good or not? And the answer from Jesus Christ, who is qualified, said he's good. So there, we have a scriptural answer for that. But then this note also said... Uh, gave that, but it also said plus. First Peter 2 and 3, and I want to go read that because that ties into the rest of the lesson that we're going to talk about. First Peter 2 and 3. Uh, we see certainly God, Jesus Christ, said there's only one good, and that's God. But First Peter 2 and 3, actually I'm going to go to verse 2, 2 and 3. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that ye may grow by it. And in verse 3, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. See, that's a perspective. We talk about the perspective or the viewpoint from how we viewed the Lord. And the perspective, I believe, is what uh, enables us or causes us to have the determination is it good? Is this fair? Or is this bad? Is this good or is this bad from the perspective? And if you've tasted the Lord is gracious, and that goes along with every scripture that I have written down here, uh, from the perspective, and, and Psalms 86, and we're going to read a lot of these scriptures, uh, Psalms 86, and again, it's from the perspective. I, uh, we won't be going to Romans 9, uh, which I, we've talked about many times. 
But I was talking to that with a lady and where it says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. And this person said, well, I could never serve a God like that. That's so unfair. That's terrible. But if you view it from the perspective, if you tasted that the Lord is gracious and you see grace in that, that he's chosen me and that's the only way for me, then we get a, again, different perspective. We say that's, yeah, that's not unfair. That's good because that's the only way for me. So Psalms 86, and uh, we'll start in verse 3. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. So he's asking for mercy, knows that God is mercy or gracious. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good, art good, and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy, and to all those who call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend unto the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. So you see the perspective here? He's going to the Lord. This one sees the Lord as forgiving and mercy and gracious. And he says, Thou, Lord, art great. So if we look at Romans 9 that I said I wasn't going to read, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. If you don't see that the Lord is gracious, you say, that's unfair. But I look at that as he's chosen me. And I'm grateful for that. So we look at his grace and his mercy. Romans chapter 3. Uh, and again, all through this, if you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, and the Lord is merciful, then that's the perspective. And when you view him from that perspective and judge from that perspective, then you say, oh, yes, that, that's good. That is good. Uh, what did I say? Romans chapter 3. Romans 3 and start in verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, there, believe it or not, there are some people that believe that they live above sin. A lady one time told me along this line, she said, oh, I'm above reproach. So, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then it goes on, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. As when, and when it talks about the redemption that is through Jesus Christ, we're talking about his shed blood on the cross. That's how we were redeemed. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God has sent forth to be the propitiation or atonement. And, you, and the, if you study the Old Testament sacrifices and the sacrifice for atonement, that's what Jesus Christ was. Again, is that unfair that he would be, he was a sacrifice, he would be atonement, he would suffer, shed his blood for us? If you view it from an earthly point of view, yeah, that's unfair. But if you view it from the point of view that his grace and his mercy on you, 
then you say, that's good, because that's the only way. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation or atonement through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness. That he might be just and the justifier of him who believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By the law, by the law of works, nay, but O man, or nay, but by the law of faith. Talking about Jesus Christ, of course, faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith comes of him. It's not, I, I heard on television this morning, he kept talking about our faith, our faith, and faith, and faith. Never once pointed out that that faith was the gift of God to us. Want to keep that little bit of Something that I've done, my faith, something that I can boast in, but certainly that is not there. So here as we look at this, all sin, all deserve condemnation, all deserve uh, eternal separation from God, but justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Jesus Christ whom God has sent forth to be the propitiation through faith in, in his blood to declare his righteousness. So if we look at it from that perspective, we might look at it, well, boy, it wasn't fair that God put all that on Jesus Christ. We might say, that's not fair. And again, if I was going to judge God unfair in anything, that would be it. But I don't. By God's grace, I don't. Because I've tasted of his grace and his mercy, I think, oh, yes, that's good. Yes, that's good. We can read in the scriptures a little about the lake of fire, which is different from hell, or at least a time period. But look at where we would be without Jesus Christ, without his shed blood. And we can look at the new Jerusalem and eternal life where we'll be because of that. So then I look at that and say, that's good, thank you. Is it unfair? No, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Romans chapter 4 and verse uh, 6. And in all this, you're going to see that acknowledge of his grace and his mercy and, and our thanksgiving for that. Uh, Romans 4 and, and verse 6. Even as David describeth the blessedness of the man in whom God imputeth righteousness apart from works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. How are they covered? Blood of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Our sin was put on him who knew no sin. If I was going to judge anything unfair, that would be the most unfair of all. But yet, if we've tasted his mercy, then we see that is good. We don't judge it unfair. We're grateful. Romans chapter 6. But in all this, it goes with what we read there in Peter. If we tasted that the Lord is gracious, and we, judge, and we look and view it from that perspective. Uh, Romans 6 and 23. For the wages of sin is death. We've all sinners through Adam. Wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord, through what he did on the cross, through him taking our sins. He that had no sin of his own, but he that took our sins, uh, that's where the gift of eternal life comes from. Is it, fa- is it fair that you or I have eternal life? And the only way that comes is through Jesus Christ paid for our sins with his blood on the cross. Human wisdom would say, that's not fair. But to one that is redeemed, and we view it from that perspective, we're grateful. We're grateful for that and wouldn't judge it unfair at all. Colossians uh, chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And again, it's, our answer comes from the perspective from which we view it. Again, the one, and I keep going back to that. The one lady viewed God unjust, that he would choose one over the other. But if you view it from the perspective of one that was chosen, then you're grateful. And wouldn't judge God unfair. Colossians 1 and... Uh, Uh, Start in verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. And beloved, that's not a little thing. The blood of his cross. The suffering that he went through. That we. I've tried to, even in my own mind, think a little bit the suffering that he went through. Those that will pay for their own sin, those that Jesus Christ did not pay for their sins, they will spend eternity in the lake of fire. That's how that sin is paid for. So Jesus Christ, so, so you, whatever level of pain or that you want to assign to that, spending eternity in the lake of fire, separated from God, separated from life, eternal death, whatever level of pain and suffering you want to put on that, Then look at Jesus Christ. He paid for every sin of every one of God's elect throughout all the ages. Now, you multiply that pain and suffering, that's what he went through on the cross. So when it says the blood of his cross, that's not a little thing. Verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, where they be things in earth or things in heaven. Well, what's that talking about? People that died before Jesus Christ shed his blood. Well, how do they get to heaven? Well, the same way. Where the things in heaven, things on earth, it's all through Jesus Christ. A little side note there. Um, 21. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he hath reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now the lady told me she was unreprovable. She wasn't talking about Jesus Christ. She thought she was that good. How wicked a statement that is. So, is it just that, that he paid through his flesh that death to present you wholly unblameable? Is it fair? Well, human wisdom would say, no, that's not fair. We should pay for it. 
But if you tasted his mercy and you look at it from that perspective, you won't judge him unfair. First John chapter 4. It's all about the perspective. If we tasted that he's gracious, then we see it from a different perspective. First uh, John chapter 4. This verse of scripture I, uh, I had missed for a long time. In, in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 4, that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world uh, in love. And I left off that in love. I, I was so blessed by the rest of it, I kind of left off that in love. But here it is in, in 1 John 4 and 10. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Sent his son to be atonement for your sins. Is it fair? Human wisdom would say, no, we should pay for our own. But the love of God. So, is he good? If you view it from that perspective, that we deserved like a fire. We deserved eternal, uh, uh, eternal separation from God, but he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We might look at that as unfair, but if we look at it, one, that he's taken away your sins. If you view it from that perspective, you wouldn't judge him unfair from, from that perspective. Uh, while we're here in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11, and again, the perspective in which we view it makes all the difference in the world. 1 John 5 and 11. And this is the record. That God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in the Son. So I have eternal life. I'm thankful. I'm grateful for that. You say, well, what about the people we didn't give it to? You could view it from that perspective, and you'd come up with, that's unfair. But if you view it, if you taste it, he's gracious. And you view it from that perspective, but I'm thankful that he's given me eternal life. And that eternal life is through his son, Jesus Christ. Hebrew chapter 2. And this, I guess, kind of goes to what I was trying to say a little earlier about the amount of suffering that he went through. I, I try to look at that sometimes. But uh, Hebrew chapter 2 and, and uh, starting in verse 2. Hebrew 2 and 2. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first uh, began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard it? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now that's not saying, okay, uh, if you reject him today, you're forever lost and so forth like that. What that's, it's asking a question. 
if you neglect the salvation, the great salvation of Jesus Christ, then how are you going to escape? If you don't think that's the way to escape, then tell me your plan. The best you can do? Keeping laws? If you neglect so great of salvation, how, how do you escape? But this says, every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Again, that's not a reward like we would like to get. Uh, you hear, uh, and uh, my mom or dad sometimes, if I'd misbehave, you're going to get it when you get home. You're going to get a reward. Well, I, I never forgot, and, and I would get it. So most time I avoided that by not doing what I wasn't supposed to do for them. But every transgression, every act of disobedience, every trespass, every sin of every one of God's elect throughout all the ages is going to receive a just recompense of reward. And Jesus Christ paid that. Now again, some will pay their own. That's eternity and the lake of fire. Each one will pay for their own. Look what Jesus Christ paid for. Is it fair? Well, you look at it from one perspective, that's not fair that he would have to suffer like that for something that he didn't do. But you look at it from, from the other side, that he paid for me, then that's good. We're grateful. Uh, and then while we're here, uh, let's see. Verse 9 and 10. Again, is it fair that this is put on Jesus Christ? If you see it, if you taste it, the Lord is gracious. Then you see certainly it is. Uh, so uh, Hebrew 2 and verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. Again, we could, we could read those words so easily, can't we? For the suffering of death. Read it so easy, but think about his death. It was different than the other death. Think what he paid for was his death. One with no sin, but yet took all of our sin. Of his elect, anyway. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, to bring many sons into glory, to make the captain of the salvation perfect through sufferings. So through his sufferings, brings many sons unto glory. Sons or daughters, that's not a gender thing. But he has done that. Through his suffering, is it fair? He didn't do anything. He had no sin. Is it fair? We might... Judge it unfair, but if we look at it, if we've tasted that the Lord is gracious and mercy, then we view it with a grateful heart. Hebrew 4 and verse 15. Again, we're talking about Jesus Christ, what he's done for us. And so we view it from the perspective that we've tasted grace and mercy. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And, and we, we talked about that uh, a few months ago, I guess. I used to have trouble understanding, so 
He can't, he's, he's God in flesh. He can't really be tempted. It wasn't a true tempting to him because it's Jesus Christ. It, it's God in the flesh. He can't truly be tempted. He can't truly suffer. And of course, I was wrong, but I couldn't understand it. But when he took on flesh, that's what he took on. He was tempted. He did suffer. I used to think, well, you know, he couldn't suffer on the cross. It's God. He couldn't suffer. But he did. He did suffer. He was tempted. Uh, and again, was it fair? Did he deserve it? He didn't. We deserved it. He didn't deserve it. But we look at it from the side of grace. For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We go boldly to the throne of grace. Now we can, and we may talk about this uh, maybe in the future, with what shall we go before God? What would you go before this God with? This God that we're studying, this God creator of heavens and the universe and, and everything. Uh, how do we go before him? Uh, it says, let's go boldly to the throne of grace. I, I, I picture things in my mind. I picture a throne of grace. I don't picture God as a, as a figure. I just picture this bright light. But me going before that? I picture Jesus Christ seated at his right hand, our daysman, our go-between, sitting there with his blood. And God would view you, God would view me, through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And in that, we can go boldly. That's why we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. That's why we do that. We don't go before him through our righteousness and our obedience and so forth. So, we go boldly. There's therefore come boldly into the throne, and it is a throne of grace in that manner, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So, Again, Jesus Christ paid for that. Is it fair? He had no sin of his own. If we view it from a certain point of view, well, that's not fair. But if we view it from the point if we taste it, the Lord is gracious, then we're grateful. We're grateful, yes, it's good. Good if we taste it that the Lord is gracious. Or if we view it from that viewpoint. We may have, we may have tasted it, but sometimes not view it from that viewpoint. And uh, Philippians chapter, uh, well, let's see. I had one more in Hebrew, but I don't know. I may, may not do that one. Uh, well, let's just do it while we're here. Hebrew 10 and 10. By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's how we're sanctified, through Jesus Christ, through his suffering, through the payment that he made. And let me just say this. He didn't make a down payment. <laughs> he paid in full. Philippians chapter 4. 
Philippians chapter 4. And we'll close with this. Well, actually, I was going to read verse 7. Let's go back to verse 6 as well. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which patheth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So as we look at this question, we ponder this, is God good? It's it tells us here it's a peace that passes all understanding. But it's from the perspective that we view it from. If I view it from a perspective, is this fair that it put this on him when it should be on these people? If I view it from that perspective, then I may, uh, uh, I may view it as unfair and not good. But if I view it from the point of tasted of his grace and his mercy, then how thankful, how grateful we are. Because we'll, we'll see then where we should have been and we'll see where we will be because of what he's done. So is God good? From where do you view it from? And that's the question. So those who see that they have been forgiven, those who see mercy and grace and view it from that perspective oh yes yes he is good he is good for what he's done and we wouldn't we wouldn't stand in judgment is it fair or not fair just say thank you lord that you chose me may the lord bless the speaking of his word we're dismissed